All right, and that is a good word that because Jesus has given so much to us, we now live our lives in gratitude to him. And that does compel us to give. It compels us to be generous and loving toward others. And that's what our series right now is all about, living generously. And I'm really excited about walking through with you some principles that for me, have, have really changed my life and my perspective and brought me a lot of joy. I know that for many of you that I've talked to about this before, the same is true for you. And so um, I, we'll celebrate that a little bit today and then we'll uh, be challenged, hopefully, to take all that to the next level. So if you want to open up your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, um, in this series, we're going to celebrate different forms, different approaches to generosity and challenge each other to love the way that Jesus did. And uh, last week we discussed compassionate giving. So if you were here, you know, we, we walked through this, the parable of the Good Samaritan and just thought about what it looks like to always be ready to give, to always be ready to step forward boldly uh, for Christ. Brad, just so you know, the screen back there is not on. So the uh, generosity is a major part of overcoming greed keeping perspective, enjoying our work. We walked through some of this last week that really um, the, the way that life becomes interesting and fun is when you can turn attention away from yourself and start thinking about others. And suddenly the world opens up and all sorts of opportunities open up and things, um, I think, get a lot more exciting. This is also our pathway to building treasure in heaven and to really being able to extend God's love to others. I like to think of it like we're all channels of God's blessing. God blesses us, we say thank you to God, but then we use that blessing to bless other people. And so whatever God has given you becomes something that now you get to share with others. And the more that you embrace the idea of living generously, the more you can experience of God's flow of blessing into your life and then out to other people. So lifestyle giving is where we'll, where we'll talk about what we'll talk about today. It's when I cheerfully and consistently say yes to God's promptings and his priorities. It's when in my life, you think about last week when we talked about compassionate giving, that's more reactive. That's where you come upon a situation, your heart goes out, you say, I need to help meet that need. Okay, we, we want to have that in our hearts as Jesus followers. But we also want to be thinking more than just reaction. We want to think proactively. I plan on giving. I want giving to be a part of the way I think, the part of the way I, I operate. And so we can make a list of all the things that we could potentially give. You can give thanks. You can give encouragement. You can give money. You can give hospitality. Uh, you can give time. You can give talent. There's all sorts of things that God has blessed you with that you can bless others with. We want to be ready anytime to be a good Samaritan with those things but we also want to plan on living that way, and that's what lifestyle giving is all about. It's where in your heart you've already decided, I'm planning to be generous. In fact, I'm looking for ways to be generous uh, throughout my life. So our text today, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, we'll walk through these chapters not only for their kind of instructive value, but also there's a little bit of inspirational value here because it's a story about a giving situation that happened in the first uh, generation church. And we'll just be inspired by their example here. So what was going on was that there was a, of course, the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter, he had planted churches and helped plant churches all around the area. Um, as he was doing that, he would continue to keep communications with those. He'd write them letters, he'd encourage them, he'd challenge them. 
he also was a bit of a connector between those churches. One thing that happened in that time was that there was a tremendous need that arose in the church of Jerusalem to the point where Paul put out the all points bulletin that, hey, we all need to help meet this need. We need the generosity of the other churches to help meet the need in the church of Jerusalem. They're in real trouble. So Paul had put this plea out and churches started to respond. Churches in Greece, churches in Macedonia, they're starting to pool their resources course, they didn't have Venmo or PayPal or anything, so they had to physically go collect silver coins and deliver them. So it was a little bit of a process to be able to coordinate a giving project like this. But Paul was in the middle of this, and he's writing to the church of Corinth, who was the first church to say yes to this whole idea, but they hadn't actually given the money that they had promised yet. Okay, So that's where we're starting chapter 8. He says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God and his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many trials, many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So the churches in Macedonia, they would be a place where you would say, hey, they've got so many of their own needs, we probably shouldn't even ask them to help with this big collection. But that church, they were so filled with generosity, look at all God has done for us, of course we want to help. So they're going all in on being generous, and Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, probably had a little bit more money, Uh, Hey, it's time for you to fulfill your side of this this commitment. Verse 6, so we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love from us, I want you also to excel in this gift of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how generous or how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you could become rich. So Jesus came down from heaven and demonstrated what it looks like to give up a lot, to serve other people. So now that we're his followers, we're to follow in his footsteps. We know we've received amazing grace from God. So of course, we have open hearts to serve and love and share with other people. Verse 10, here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let your eagerness... Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. So he's not asking them to do something that's not possible for them. He's saying, hey, you know, we all have a part to play. It's time for you to play your part. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. So you don't make a list of what other people are doing, compare with, if only I won the lottery, then I could give a lot. No, just give in accordance with what you have. That's what God is looking for. says, of course, I don't mean that your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty, can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. 
And this way, all things will be equal. And the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. Those who gathered only a little had enough. This principle of sort of sharing when we have plenty and then receiving when we have need, that's one of the most exciting confirmations of faith, I think, that happens uh, to us when God provides for us in ways we didn't expect or when God uses us to help another person and they say, wow, I was just praying for that and then you showed up. It's really a neat part of, of living generously as a Christian is when you start realizing God is actually using your giving as a way to bless people from him and sometimes God is blessing you through their giving. Um, it's just really neat to walk that through. So I learned this when I was a little bit younger, and as many of you know, when I was younger, I was not exactly the coolest kid on the team. Uh, that's a great 90s picture, isn't it? I looked at that and thought, that, that, was my, that was as close as I ever got to Bill Gates, right there. If only I would have gone a little different direction, I'd be a billionaire now, but um, I really tried to be cool. Like, I honestly gave it a shot, but I just, uh, it didn't happen for me. And so uh, when I graduated from high school, I joined what many of you know, the, I joined the Life Action Team and started traveling around America. And my role on the team was not an upfront role, so they didn't provide clothing for me. Um, I was just in the background. And this was back when a lot of things were very formal. So even when, you know, it would be time for dinner, sometimes you'd be like, hey, put your tie on, it's time for dinner. I mean, it was a, there was a lot of formality, and I just didn't have that many clothes of that kind available. So my team leaders, and by the way, uh, Kirsten Lake is in that picture too. Remember that, Kirsten? It's 26 years ago or something. The, uh, we were on the team together long ago. Um, what, some of the leaders on the team came to me and said, hey, you know, to fit in, like, you really need to have some additional clothes, like you need to beef up your formal wardrobe. I thought, okay, well, I really don't have any money. I had about $150 in my checking account at that time. That was all I had. And that didn't, you know, back even in the 90s, that's not going to go very far clothing shopping. The team leaders even said to me, he said, you can take a few of the team girls with you to the mall so that they can help you pick the right things. <laughs> Great. That sounds good. But I still didn't have any money. So at the same time as that was happening, I was really feeling prompted by God that I was supposed to give generously to a certain need that had come up, and that was about all the money I had. So here I've got, you know, I've been told I need to buy clothes at the same time, I really feel like I'm supposed to give to meet a need. So stepped out in faith and said, well, Lord, this is your, like, I'm here for you, so I'm going to have to obey this prompting. I, I have to give. So I gave everything I had to meet this need taking me down to zero. That same day, um, a widow in the church I had grown up in called my mom. I remember it's not like I had a cell phone back then, so like you had to call people's landlines and connect through parents. So I literally had a long-distance card that I would type in the number at a payphone to call my parents sometimes. And so this lady called my mom and said, hey, does your son need anything? I heard he's like a missionary now. And um, she said, I really want to give him $100 which was super cool. So I heard about that. Like, wow, that was like the same day I gave here, like somebody else was blessing me back. But still, $100 is not going to do that much for clothing. A couple days later, um, another person called my mom and said, hey, when your son left for his mission trip, we, we never got to give. Does he have any needs? And my mom said, yeah, yeah, he really needs to buy some clothes. And the guy said, great, I'd like to give $500 to help him buy clothes. So here's what was amazing. So I'd given everything, but then like a week or two later, I was going to the mall with a couple of the team girls with $600 to spend 
uh, on fancier clothes and just, just kind of saying, wow, Lord, thank you. Like this principle of if we're faithful and generous, if we step out in faith, God will take care of our needs. And you see that again and again in life. The more you are willing to respond to promptings from God when he calls you to give, you also don't have to worry about your own needs. God provides opportunities for you. Okay, so we keep reading in our text here. Verse 16, thank God. He has given Titus the same enthusiasm for you that I have. Titus welcomed our request that he visit you again. And in fact, he himself was very eager to go and see you. You're also, we are also sending another brother with Titus. All the churches praise him as a preacher of the good news. He was appointed by the churches to accompany us as we take this offering to Jerusalem, a service that glorifies the Lord and shows our eagerness to help. We're traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way that we're handling this generous gift, which makes sense, right? A little accountability there as they handle the, the money. We are very careful to be honorable before the Lord but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. We are also sending with them another of our brothers who has proven himself many times and has shown on many occasions how eager he is. He is now even more enthusiastic because of his great confidence in you. If anyone asks about Titus, say that he is my partner who works with me to help you. And the brothers with him have been sent by the churches and they bring honor to Christ. So show them your love and prove to all the churches that our boasting about you is justified. A little turning of the screws there by the Apostle Paul, right? Like, hey, don't let me down here. You're like, we all, we, you promised this, and it's time. Like, these people need this. It's also kind of interesting how the group of brothers that are getting sent is growing, right? So, the next part, I can't help but reading it a certain way. Uh, let's, let, I want to read two verses to you and then kind of show you what I mean. He says, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. Say what? For I know how eager you are to help. And I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. But I am sending these brothers to be sure you're really ready as I have been telling them, and that your money is all collected. Now, just in your mind's eye, what comes to mind when you hear that? Here's, here's what comes to mind. There, there's kind of this moment where the brothers are coming, and we want to help you make the right decision, you know? We don't want you to let us down. Um, so I can't help but read verses 3 through 5 with that spirit, Right? I'm sending you these brothers to be sure you're really ready. So I've been telling them that all your money, that the money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed. Not to mention your own embarrassment. If some Macedonian believers came to me and found out that you weren't really ready, after all, I had told them. So I thought I would send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. A little new read on the New Testament here, right? <laughs> but I want it all to be a willing gift, not done grudgingly. So there you go. If you need a little shakedown, you know, the Bible has that for you too. Verse 6, remember this, the farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. 
And in all of our lives and our giving, the more we plant, the more benefit we see, the more fruit our lives bear. And so if you would say, I want my life to add up, I want my life to count, well, plant as many seeds as you can, and you do that through generosity. Verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Isn't that neat? Like when you decide in your heart to become generous, you become God's partner in generosity. He provides you with what you need so that you can share with other people. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a harvest of generosity in you. So just when you would say, I would love to become a giving person, but I feel like I'm the one that needs people to give to me. I mean, sometimes we're in that spot in our lives. Say, even then, still, Lord, I want to be generous with whatever I do have. So maybe all you have is a moment to give someone encouragement. Give it generously. Maybe you say, I don't really have any extra money, but I could, I could have someone over. We could be hospitable. Great, give them that. Whatever you have, give. And as, as you cultivate that heart of generosity, God will make sure you have the, your needs met so that you're able to meet the needs of others. Verse 12. Oh, verse 11. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. When we decide to be cheerful givers, God will provide for us that which we can cheerfully give. So I would encourage you to test that. Like just just in your heart, say, Lord, I would love to give. I would love to give more. But Lord, if I'm going to do that, you would have to provide the blessing to me so that I can bless other people. And, And life can be a lot of fun that way. So here are a couple questions to ask. If you'd say, I'd like to develop a lifestyle of giving, how do I begin thinking that way? First question, how and where can I plant more seeds of generosity? So you might think of opportunities that are right around you. There might be people around you, organizations around you, community needs around you. Whatever they are, you start saying, Lord, how can I plant seeds? Where do you want me to plant them? What seeds do you want me to plant? Uh, Lord, what would you have me give proactively and in faith? So compassionate giving is reactive where you're kind of ready for anything, and that's great. Proactive giving is you're, you're getting out ahead of it. You're deciding to be a giver, and then you're looking around saying, where should I make this investment? Where should I plant the seed? How will I allocate my giving among my local church, global missions, ministry partnerships, special projects, people in need? There are obviously thousands of things, millions of things that you could give to, right? So you look up to God and you say, Lord, how do you want me 
to give? Where do you want me to plant the seeds that I have to plant? And as, you, as God answers that prayer and gives you direction, then you say, my commitment in my heart is to say yes to God's promptings and his priorities. Develop a lifestyle of giving. Hey, lifestyle givers aren't wondering about the minimum obligatory time or percentage to share. They aren't waiting around. They are actively living it, and they're asking, Lord, how else would you like me to be generous? So sort of like we talked about last week, they're not looking for the minimum of like, what do I have to do? And now, you know, I don't have to worry about what God wants anymore. I'm on to my own agenda. Lifestyle givers are saying like, my purpose in life is in large part about giving and sharing and helping others. So Lord, where else can I do that? Instead of asking how much should I give or what should I give, we can ask how much should I keep, right? Turn the tables a little bit. I say, Lord, what do you require of me? Say, no, Lord, I wish I could give you everything. How much do you want me to keep for myself so that the rest of it can be freed up to plant more seeds of generosity? Instead of what do I have to do, we can ask how many seeds could I plant with the things that I have or the skills that I have or the hours that I have? And then here's a few ideas for lifestyle giving. So you might say, like, I really haven't lived this way before. I would like to try it. Here are a couple ways that you could either start or increase your lifestyle giving. One is to set a goal to increase the percentage of your kingdom investment. So when I give, that's how I think of my giving. I think of it like a kingdom investment. Not something I'm going to get returned back to me in this life, um, but in the big picture, in eternity, this is rewards in heaven. It's also investment into people. And so I like to think of like anything that I give is really potentially the most important investment I'll make. Um, it's not about me at that point. It's about serving and sharing others and God's purposes. Start giving regularly based on your pay cycle and budget. So if you haven't been doing this, this is a great way to develop it as a rhythm in your life of lifestyle giving. Say, so rather than just kind of waiting for someone to make a really strong appeal and then I'll respond or waiting for some big need to pop up, I'm going to plan to give anyway as a rhythm. And so in my budget, in my pay cycle, whatever that looks like, Lord, here's what I can give to you, and Lord, would you keep increasing that so that I can give even more? Think of time, energy, encouragements, hospitality, and talents as also resources that you can give. And so you start thinking about all the things you have access to. Say, wow, there are people out there that would be greatly blessed if they also had access to those things. And so you say, Lord, how can I, how can I give those? I've even noticed that sometimes just introducing people, like being a connector, is like sharing a resource. Because sometimes you meet someone and you realize you can't really help them, but you know who could. So you making a connection is a way of giving. Um, again, the purpose of giving isn't so that you become the hero of all the stories. The purpose is so that the need actually gets met and God is honored by it. Um, consider how you could earn additional money so that you can give additional money. I remember when my parents first became Christians and it was just a really neat, neat era in my, my household where we were stepping forward, trying to live Christian principles for the first time, having come out of a secular background. And my parents were really committed to giving, but they were completely maxed out on budget. There just wasn't any room. So like, what would they give? How would they do that? So we were praying about it. I remember around our dinner table, we were praying for how could we give more. And um, shortly after that, my dad's um, ex-employer called and said, we're so overloaded with work, 
is there any chance that we could send work to you at your home to do, and then you bring it back? And just his job wouldn't normally afford for that. Uh, but he said yes, and so for multiple weekends in a row, he was able to work, get extra paychecks that were outside of the budget, which then allowed us to be able to give. So it was really neat, just what these verses say. If you have the heart to give, God will provide the resources and the opportunities for you to have what you need so that you can bless others. So you might just pray and say, Lord, I would love to be giving more. I just don't know where that would come from. Would you give me something that I can give to others? Uh, and then involve friends and family in generosity projects. You don't have to think of all this just by yourself. Now, the reason that we think this, I think at least culturally, is that we've all read in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, keep your giving a secret. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And so, obviously, the principle there is don't brag about your giving. Don't give so that other people can see how great you are. That, I mean, that's, that totally misses the point, and you don't get rewards in heaven for that, and that's what Jesus was saying. But it doesn't mean that it's like some sort of, like it has to be a secret or it doesn't count, right? There are opportunities when you say, you know what, I, I would like to meet a need here, but I can't do that on my own. I need to circle up with some other people who can help. Again, in, in principle, actually, that's kind of what our church offering is, right? It's where, say, well, any one of us couldn't go out and you know, meet some sort of big mission field need or take care of things here at the church. But if we pool it all together, we can accomplish actually a lot of stuff. It's really exciting because it's together. Um, so you can do that, obviously, with the whole church, but you can also do that in, you know, any group you want. You might say to your family, hey, let's, let's do a project together. Let's serve somewhere together. Let's add value to another family together. The more that you think that way, the more doors start to open. So, my church in Ohio um, that I came from years ago, and some of you actually were there, so you remember the front door of the church there, uh, we had a group of friends who we had all heard about this mission opportunity in India where you could, there was like, there were impoverished villages that just didn't have any basic amenities and they needed the gospel, but they also needed you know, education and clean water, variety of things. So there was a program where you could adopt a village kind of bring all of those things together through a little local church that would be planted in that village. It was a really neat thing. The problem is, when I looked at the program, I thought, I definitely want in on this, but it's way beyond my budget to do this. Um, so I circled up with the friends in the picture here, said, hey, like over the, a, a few years, here's how much this would cost. Would you like to do this monthly? If we pool together, we could adopt a village and help a village go forward, um, both in development and, and spiritual terms. So we said yes to that opportunity, and one of the most exciting trips I've ever been on was the first time I went to India, I was able to stop at that village and see the progress three years in on that village. And it was really neat to see what God had done through, comparatively, like for us, what was a very small investment, but for them in their economy, it was a dramatic, it was, it was big. And so I got to be there as they launched this little skills training center, which was helping widows learn um, tailoring so that they could have income of their own. The church had, had facilitated a water tower and clean water system in that village. There were, there were people standing up at the little testimony service they put together saying for the first time ever they have a bank account. I mean, there was also, it was all over the map. One lady got up crying and said, I never thought my kids would go to school. But like, thank you for... So it was super humbling 
especially when I was thinking in my life, this was just a drop in the bucket financially. This wasn't that big of a deal, you know, but for them, it was a life-changing thing for this village. But I look at my friends in that picture and think, we couldn't have done that. We couldn't have been a part of something that amazing alone. Like, it did take a team to do that. Um, in fact, the second picture there is I was handing the pastor of the church the picture I just showed you of like our friends all at the front of our church, and it just said, you're partners in the gospel. And I did watch them. They, ha- they hung it up in their little church building. So somewhere off in Tamil Nadu in the hills, you know, there's a little picture of, of that little team just in partnership with that church. So I look at that and go, you know, there's seeds planted years ago that are still growing right now. I, I have no idea what's going on today with the people in that picture, um, but it's really amazing what God lets us all be a part of when we just decide to be generous, and sometimes when we team up and decide to do it together. So here's my question for you as you think about that. Where do you have crops growing right now based on your giving throughout life? This is actually a really encouraging thing to think about if you've been a giver, because you probably don't even remember all the things and all the people that you've given, right? You could go back and say, for years and years, maybe you've been giving to the church, or maybe you've been giving to a missionary. Maybe whenever needs show up in the community, you, you donate. Um, maybe there have been opportunities where you've actually gone on mission trips yourself, or you've, you've taken meals to people in need. I mean, you can make a long list of like ways that are possible that we've all given, and then start to think about the fact that those gifts are like seeds that you planted that might still be growing. You might not even remember the people involved, but the impact you had when you did that is now part of the life harvest that eventually will be celebrated with you. So where do you have crops growing right now? based on your giving in your life. Now that question also challenges me to think forward, say where could I plant more crops? Where would there be future seeds of opportunity where the gift that I give or the way that I helped or the person I cared about springs up and makes a difference somehow? See, all of this, as our text said, adds up to a couple different things. It adds up to people being thankful to God, not necessarily to you, because they see it as God's love to them when they they receive blessing. Uh, But it also represents your opportunity to glorify God. Because as you live this way, you, you, you do meet a direct need in a person's life, but you also demonstrate how important, how valuable God is to you. It's a way of worship. It's a way of giving. So lifestyle giving is when I cheerfully and consistently say yes to God's priorities and promptings. My encouragement to you this week is to say, Lord, that's what I want to aim at in my life. I want to see you at work through the things that I get to be a part of. I want to be a part of your generosity in this world, extending your love to people in need. There are so many opportunities around, and as soon as your heart says yes to this, you'll start seeing them in a new light. So just like every week of this series, I'm going to leave you with a challenge to go home with and think about. Last week, the challenge regarding compassionate giving was that you would have a heart that would be ready and that when a moment of need shows up in front of you, go ahead and step forward and meet it. Like in compassion, go for it. Here's this week's challenge. Plant seeds of generosity 
in two different places this week. Plant seeds of generosity in two different places this week. So here's where this is interesting. You get to pray and say, Lord, what should those be? What need could I meet? What person could I help? Who could I encourage? Who could I have over? Where could I give? What difference could I make? As you start asking the Lord those questions, he'll give you ideas of what your next step can be. So just pray about that, and God will use you um, in ways you don't expect. All right, let's pray about that right now. Lord, you have uh, given so much to us. You've given us so much uh, material blessing. You've given us spiritual blessing. We have relational blessing. Lord, in many categories of our lives, there's value that you have given to us, oftentimes through the generosity of other people. And now, as we think about developing a lifestyle of generosity, we start looking at others and saying, Lord, how do you want to use me to extend your love? So, Lord, would you show us your priorities? Would you prompt us where and how and when we should give, when we should plant seeds? Lord, as we celebrate your goodness to us, We recognize you have blessed us for the purpose of us going out to bless others. That's what we want to do this week. So for each one of us, would you give us those two ideas in mind of where we could plant some seeds of generosity? Lord, I pray that for, um, for those in the room right now who have been living in the light of this for years and years, that you would encourage them to continue on that path to continue to grow in generosity. For some in the room who maybe have not started this way of living yet, I pray that today would be a beginning. Lord, where you would give them the confirmation in their heart they need, the prompting in their heart they need to take a step of faith, to start to give, to start to see opportunities all around them. Lord, we look forward to the things that we still have to learn as we talk about this in the weeks ahead. But today, uh, we thank you, Lord, that you have offered us a partnership, a partnership with you to serve others. We look forward to doing that this week. In Jesus' name, amen.